0: Welcome to fucking Candyland, hosted by Rampage and Gemini.
1: What's
2: up, everybody? Welcome back to Candyland. We have another guest, and this one I am so excited about because... I have been following Sean from Witchy Wisdoms for like four years now and I've just watched her journey unfold and anyone who is a spiritual entrepreneur that's like living their dreams is just like ultimate goals and happiness and like freedom and I've just seen Sean's growth over the last couple years where it's like wow you know it is possible if you just bet on yourself to make shit happen so without further ado.
0: Hello, everyone. I'm Sean Engel. What's up?
2: <laughs> Hello. Hello. Did you Rampages want me to talk? Go ahead.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know if you wanted me to give a little. I, you just said such a beautiful intro. I'm like, should I add to that? That was amazing. <laughs> yeah, talk on yourself. If you've got stuff to say, say it. <laughs> well, I mean, just as far as the platform goes, I've been doing it now, I think, seven years. So better part of a decade. And uh, yeah, lots of growth, lots of books. I've written four. My fifth is on the way. Uh, so I have a large family. <laughs> and yeah, uh, Boss Mystic Podcast Network. I had a podcast network. I have um, a YouTube show. I mean, I don't know, over seven years, there's so many things you can create, right? <laughs>
2: I feel like you're always teaching and like leading like containers and I actually a long time ago back before it was like in the budget for personal growth did like a call with you and I was like I really will work with this girl one day like I love everything she's doing at the time like I was still kind of in that lower lack mentality. I think that's been a lot of what I had to break in these generational curses was like around money and abundance. And I know that you do a lot of work around that. So I kind of want to talk about where it began for you seven years ago. Like, how did you know or what was that moment that was like, this is what I'm doing?
0: Uh, Well, it's interesting, especially numerologically, Oof, that's a word. Uh, <laughs> because the turning point to create the brand Witchy Wisdoms was very similar to something that I'm going through now. I was in two nine years at the time, and it took me about a year in order to get it off the ground. So mathematically, that makes sense. Uh, but the turning point for Witchy Wisdoms was when I got into an abusive relationship with a narcissistic heroin addict. And when life like gives you this, you know, you're like, okay, how did we get here? So through a lot of my unpacking and revisiting old spiritual tools, uh, I found my path in witchcraft again. I'd been dabbling since I was 13. And then it just kind of grew and became this beautiful thing that breathes with me. Um, And yeah, it actually, it it grew out of such a Phoenix moment. And I'm kind of finding myself back here and it's reinvigorating itself.
1: It's really interesting. Do you label yourself as any kind of specific witch in, with your witchcraft? No, I've always
0: gone by eclectic witch. Um, I'm very much grab and go, very intuitive. I also don't like rules, I'm a triple Scorpio. So uh, yeah, I'm not, and I'm not like, you know, I'm not ordained as a priestess anywhere. I know there are a lot of people that are like Wiccan and do all of these different like hierarchical magic. Like For me, it's just my stuff.
2: I think that's beautiful because you get a lot of freedom in that. Totally. I've never met a triple Scorpio and I love Scorpio energy. Like love Scorpio energy.
0: Sun, moon, rising, baby and Pluto and a couple other things. It's a lot of Scorpio, a lot of Capricorn.
2: We're all the Pluto and Scorpio generation. And that's like my people. Those are all my people. We talk about this a lot now that we're starting to have guests because all of our guests are from the same generation. Oh yeah,
0: it's a good one. Because Scorpio, you know, they're the detective, they're the seekers of truth, which is why we're seeing like so much upheaval in the U.S. as of right now, uh, because between the Scorpio Pluto generation and the Sagittarius Pluto generation, like we're here to fuck shit up and ask questions about the boomers. <laughs> <laughs> and ask questions about the boomers. I love the It's true, story. it's like, why, why are we like this? Is really the question. <laughs>
1: Yeah. We were talking before on, when we were talking about this generation, we were talking about how it's a, everybody has this collective focus on like healing generational curses and past things and finding positive ways to overcome things instead of being in a lower vibration. And so I think that's what we're all attracting to each other's energy because there's this desire to elevate yourself.
0: Yeah. And I think that there's, um, As far as advancements have gone in mental health, there's just a lot more of an understanding and like a third person perspective on like what's going on. Because when you're in a nuclear family and you're in the middle of it, uh, and you don't really have, you know, a lot of other examples of how a family could look. I mean, a lot of us millennials that were brought up in these like half boomer, uh, with these half boomer parents that are bringing in these kind of like rigid oppressive rules it's really interesting to see how the micro affects the macro and I think that's what we're seeing really within our generations is like I don't like how I feel I don't like the things that I've learned I don't like how I've been treated let's change that and it translates
2: literally and I love that is really kind of adding to the spiritual awakening for myself is like rewiring my brain so that I'm not becoming my parents or becoming you know people that I don't want to become and I think that's what attracted me to spirituality was seeing people such as yourself using all of that as like power and authentic energy like authentic energy that attracts your tribe or your like soul family and i feel like the internet has just been such a major breakthrough to bring spiritual communities together
0: i mean i don't know that we would be uh in the same kind of like progression if we didn't have the internet i think that was the thing that really kind of bridged the gap and of course you know uh there's always both sides of the spectrum so we do also have the predatory lens um, that we can't ignore but on the really, really positive side there, I mean, we got access. We give access to the younger generations of like, hey, does your family fucking suck? Well, guess what? It doesn't have to be your life. <laughs> and that beacon of light, a lot of people didn't, I mean, I didn't have access to that. I kind of just thought this was how life was. And then I watched TV and wished my life was a sitcom, you know?
1: Yes, it's wild being, I will say that it's wild being a parent for myself after the way that you're raised with very strict certain things and this is how it is and this is how a girl looks and this is what to do and you know I grew up very tomboyish so there was a lot of shame in things and there's a lot of you know you just have to do things certain way and have certain mentalities and your kids talk to you this way and it's very structured and then now getting to evolve as a parent and be like oh you know what I like you know showing you that you can have a different opinion and you can do this with your energy and you can express yourself in these ways and you can influence people around you to be more accepting by showing your true energy and your true light to people.
0: It's so beautiful. And I'm I I see all of these parents nowadays that are about my age doing such wonderful things, raising their children, where I'm like. <gasps> I wish, like, I wish I had access to that. It's just beautiful. So that's what I mean as far as the micro affecting the macro, like it is really happening, but like, especially, you know, I, I think I found this mostly with TikTok is finding my neurodivergent people because I didn't have access to that either. And when you grow up neurodivergent in a very neurotypical family that is also really strict, it can be extremely traumatizing. So even like I see my cousins are 15 and they have TikTok and they're just like getting into like the different talks, like the different like talk universes and just finding themselves and finding people that can articulate what they're feeling because they're children. And it's beautiful. Like, I just love watching it.
2: I love seeing the younger generations have those tools that weren't available because we're like on the cusp of the internet generation where we were using it for- illegal music and chat rooms like we weren't like learning it wasn't like there yet and it was the wild west yeah yeah. for sure (laughs) I was literally nine years old unsupervised on the internet just like in AOL chat rooms doing the weirdest things it's like why I was printing pictures off of like Avril Lavigne and whoever and like gluing them to poster board putting them on my walls like that's what I was using the internet for as a kid. (laughs) <laughs> and my sister
0: said that she used to go into Hannah Montana chat rooms on AOL and I was like you were nine times out of ten talking to a 40 year old man like there's <laughs> it was so dangerous but we lived and now it's nice I mean I don't know it's still kind of the wild west and it can be like really really dark sometimes
2: but the potential I mean the potential is great How do you stay so motivated to create an array of content? Because you're always using different personalities, different wigs, different looks to get the message across. And I think that's one thing that stands out about your content, especially is because you do a lot of glamour magic and you incorporate the colors with the message. And I'm always like, I see what she's doing here. She's appealing to like all of the senses. Uh, I really appreciate that and
0: also thank you for paying attention, you know, I was like the scholars will get this, you know, it's not for everybody. <laughs> right. But um, I think re-motivation, uh, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, right? Because there's, I just don't think anybody will do what they don't want to do. I think that is human nature and I think we get sold this line of, you know, motivate yourself when really you probably just don't want to do the thing. and there are obviously like, you know, the world's limitations. We have to pay rent. We have to, you know, do the day-to-day stuff. Um, But I successfully over the past seven years built a life for me where I could say, I just don't want to do that. And then I switched directions. Um, But I mean, as far as my personal talents go, like I'm an artist. I love making art and that's what motivates me. I love making beautiful things. I get an idea in my head and then I'm like, it has to be I have to make it tangible, it has to happen right now. And that doesn't necessarily feel like motivation, it feels like inspiration. So I kind of just wait for that to strike, Um, but that's a really privileged work environment that I've created for myself. So it took a long time and, you know, there were definitely times where I was very inspired on a a 80 hour work week where I couldn't really do anything. But then I used my notes section and just like, was like, I can't wait to get
1: home and stay up all night to do this. I am the same as yeah. you would the, <laughs> like write it down like too fucking busy to fit it in right this second but
2: by god I will be this person later I'll do it <laughs> literally Gemini has so many projects going at all times like she if she learns something it's like just instinctual for her to teach it or to record about it in depth and I'm like I'm just gonna leave all of the teaching and in-depth research to you right now because like I get lost because you know when I went to college I was like forced to learn about things I didn't want to learn about and do things and you know that you don't want to do that you know in the back of your head like for the job or the the degree I'm getting this will not matter so I think for a while I got very uninspired with like learning a bunch of material but then I started learning about astrology and dove into that and I think that's originally kind of how I found you because you would incorporate the planets and I know you talk about like Venus a lot and I'm a Taurus and I'm a Venus Taurus as well so I like really attract to people who talk about Venus because I'm also a Libra moon and a Cancer rising so the moon and Venus are like my people like that's what I'm working with the most of the time so I attract to people that talk about the moon or Venus or like dark Lilith goddess energy. And I know that you have like a lot of taboo topics that you talk about.
0: I was like, yeah, you basically, that's like all my content. I love it. I love beautiful flowy aesthetics. I have um, Mercury and Mars and Libra. And I just love Venus energy. Everybody loves pretty things, right? Like it's just hard to avoid. But then of course I come in with all this dark Scorpio energy and it's inevitable. It's like I lure you in with like the beautiful aesthetics and then trap you. And now we're talking about trauma.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love the lure you in because I've been making jokes that uh, Rampage's voice is like a siren, and she just like brings you in, and then she's like, "And I'm just going to show you all these things too while you're here."
0: Yeah, exactly. It's like you want to come in. It's consensual. It's just like
2: you weren't necessarily ready until you saw the pretty things. Yeah, like you agreed, and <laughs> then you sold your soul to me. Is like I didn't co- like I didn't coerce you. Like you came exactly. on your own. Like exactly. You, I don't. That's know. giving I-
1: me very fairy energy. Very
2: like, but you agreed to this. I learned like the other day, I didn't know that like vampires couldn't come in unless you invite them. And I was like, that's kind of like a siren in a way. Like you have to kind of agree and consent to what's about to happen to you. And it just stood out to me.
0: A lot of fairy tale war, weirdly enough, because it's so uh, gruesome in a lot of ways, it's really consensual. Like you have to walk, like you're walking into the forest you're going into their domain. You already know. Vampires, they got to be asked to come in. There's very few things that can really just come and get you. It's more like your own human mistake.
1: I even think that when people talk about like hauntings and things like that, there is always some kind of uh, like a consent thing, like you agreed to purchase an item or you agreed to play with a Ouija board or you, you know what I mean? Like there always is some level dang There's more consent in like folklore than there is in fucking human life. <laughs> this is what I'm
0: saying. It's really bizarre, right? But it's also like, I don't know. I th- I think that human morals and human ethics have always been there. And then, because it's, I mean, it's written into our history and into our folklore. And then of course- You know, things like business and greed get in the way and then none of it (laughs) matters.
2: Oh, it's so depressing. I try to disconnect from the actual material world like more times than not. And we talk about this a lot. Like if I'm stressing about something in this world, I'm just taking a nap. Like I'm just exiting everything. Like I will not stress out over human stuff anymore. I feel like
0: because we've all been through the pandemic era and have all been collectively traumatized. I think dissociating is so healthy right now. Like the way I've created my life, I am I could literally be in my house and do whatever I want whenever I want to make money or whatever. That's a really good environment to be delusional as hell. So I'm decorating all my living room, my bedroom, like all these like beautiful kind of like fairy-ish foresty kind of uh, art installations. And yeah, second I start worrying about anything that doesn't matter, I'm like, um, wait look at where you live this is magical none of that matters
2: (laughs) you are a A safe little magical fairy (laughs) like a life motto exactly the way I live my life which is probably why I've been following you and probably like subconsciously taking all your bait like all the hints and all the secrets I'm like got it heard it like I decoded it
0: I just want people to be happy
2: at the end of the day
0: your happiness is what makes me happy, and it makes the world better. Literally, if people just took care of their mental health, it would be such a better world to live in. It would literally nip almost every single uh,
1: issue in the bud. I think that something that would be really helpful for people recognize because there's a you know there's a difference between recognizing that you need some some help with your mental health and then just kind of being oblivious and letting it go and I think that if it was normal to have loving conversations with the people around you in a way to uplift them and be like hey I'm noticing your personality is changing and you seem like you're getting a lot more sad about things or whatnot and then being like maybe you should talk to somebody about that instead of it being like an attacking tone on things I think that more people would recognize what there is to work on because we can get so lost in our own selves but when you get an outside perspective from somebody who loves you and wants the best sometimes that can kind of shake you up
0: so it's really
1: interesting that you brought this up because I it's a great
0: point it's very much a chicken before the egg scenario though right so like uh, I'll use my best friend as an example. When I met her, I was far more unhealthy than I am now. I mean, we, we grow, we change each other, whatever. So uh, she was always the healthier one, though. She was the one to give me that dose of reality. And we both, I mean, stayed friends because we worked so diligently on ourselves and it gives us each the empathy and also the know-how to identify when the other person's not doing super well because we're doing it on ourselves all the time. So we get to be that for each other, which is really, really nice, but you really can't do that unless you already have the tools. So that's, that's what true. I mean, like teaching the men- teaching mental health in the beginning, because like, I don't know, growing up in a family where everything was so judgmental, so negative, everything, I mean, you become such a small person and it takes a lot of time to unpack it. It takes a lot of time to even notice if that's how the world is or not you know, like, cause you've been drinking the Kool-Aid for so long. Uh, I mean, there's just, it's like, how do you know? And then of course, if you're ill because you've been mistreated and your mental health is suffering, you will possibly most likely spread poison around because you don't know how to act healthily. So that's,
2: it's just, you know, that's so common. And I think in, yeah. you, you don't know, is it, is this how everyone is? Because growing up at times, I didn't realize that it wasn't normal for certain things to happen. I didn't realize that my household was different than other people's. And like you said, then you watch TV and we were all watching the same things. And it's like giving you this picture perfect image of something that isn't real. And I think as a kid your imagination is is running wild. The veil is already pretty thin and you're already very sensitive. So I do think that the absorption of other people's fears is just very, um, it's just like the human process. I feel like everybody's parents fuck them up to some degree.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, no one gets out of this thing alive and also like you're, it's a whole human child, but I think there are certain things you can do that will massively fuck your child up, you know? And we would like to stay away from those things. (laughs) Because I remember, you know, like I remember watching a sitcom with my family and I always, I've always done this. I take things and apply them to my life. I I don't know why I do this, but I do. Um, So every time I'm watching something, I'm looking for life messages, whatever. Most people just like entertainment, I get it. But I would see, you know, you know how sitcoms always wrap up really cute with their problem solving and conflict resolution. It's always like someone's bad, then they come and they apologize and it's beautiful because they know how to communicate. Well, that never happened in my family. And I always wished that we would have that kind of conflict resolution. Until so I convinced myself that that kind of conflict resolution was only in television. Mm-hmm. And that started to be get this very unhealthy pattern of thinking to where like this is the only way to to have any conflict resolution is to scream at each other and hold resentment. Lo and behold, it doesn't happen in 20 minutes, but it actually is how you healthfully have conflict resolution. Do you have siblings? One younger sister. She's about six years younger than me. Are you all close? We were. Uh, Yeah, we were. Uh, I'm not, um, we're in flux, honestly, right now. Um, but you know, six years is a long time. And when you're in your twenties, uh, I don't know, especially if your lived experience is different than somebody's,
2: you're not be there yet. I'm an only child. And so I always find that people that have siblings are having like two very different experiences. That's what I was gonna ask because like uh, people can grow up in the same household and take away very different things. That's what I was gonna highlight because I don't have anyone to compare or contrast with. Like, let me see your paper and you can look at mine kind of thing. So I'm always interested with people that have a dysfunctional family growing up, how their sibling takes a completely different piece of that. Or-
0: well, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. But, uh, you know, I mean, you guys know Harry Potter, right? You know his muggle family that he lived with and like Pugsley, the like muggle son, whatever. Mm-hmm. His, his, his knee looked like a Pugsley. I don't remember his name. But uh, Dudley. That, Dudley. Dudley. I was Harry under the stairs. Oh, no. That was our family dynamic. It was really, I mean, at least that's the way it felt. And wow. that's, it was really rough, you know, it was really rough on me. And uh, I think also because I'm neurodivergent and my sister isn't. Uh, and just kind of took to burying her feelings a lot better she's also an air scientist Aquarius not a triple Scorpio so I think I was uh you know they weren't expecting me but they also didn't know that I'm resourceful as fuck and was always going to become this (laughs) first
2: I love the Harry Potter references because I started rereading the Harry Potter books um the first one this month and I loved them It was so weird because I haven't touched these books like since middle school or something. I started reading the first one a few days ago and I stood up to go get a post-it note and this little slip fell out and it was a receipt from 2019, which I don't know how this got in there, but it was from a place That's kind of in like the hipster part of Kentucky, like, and it's called Discoveries and it has eyes all over it. And it was a handwritten receipt for $10, something that I bought for $10 and I paid cash. I never pay cash. So it was like the weirdest thing that it was in the Harry Potter book that I've had since elementary school. I'm like, okay, universe, like show me the way. I don't know what we're doing, but okay. I
0: love it. I love Harry Potter. I think I, now that I'm looking back on what the story was, I'm like, no wonder I loved those books so much.
1: I was little Harry, even have his hair right now. Oh. <clears throat> would you tell me, <laughs> would you tell me uh, more about what being neurodivergent means? Cause I'm seeing it a lot and I, I don't necessarily know what that means. Okay, so
0: I am not a doctor, but I will do my very, very best to explain in layman's. So uh, we'll start with autism. Autism is like the main neurodivergent thing that people know, but it's essentially like very literally your neural pathways, the way that your brain works is divergent from what is typically like a very normal brain, how it operates. That means any kind of divergence is neurodivergent. So there's a spectrum. That's why you'll see people that are really, really, um, uh, my friend is autistic and I know that she likes one term and not the other. I don't think she likes high functioning. I can't remember. But there's one where, you know, you're, you adapt better to your surroundings and one where you're a lot, lot more sensitive. I tend to be on the lesser one. Um, but for me, for example, I have OCD. That is an anxiety disorder that's also neurodivergent. And, uh, <laughs> I notice my brain short circuiting sometimes like I'll be, um, Like, I'll fix a towel for four hours and be so hyper fixated on it that it's like, like I can't break away. Um, I also like my attention span is just really different. Like I leave cabinets open all over in my kitchen because I'm like, I remember one thing to the next thing. And it's not like it's not efficient. It just works for me different. And if you're in a strict household where it's like, well, why do you have that open? Why is that open? And it's like, you're being screamed at and just kind of like trying to live. <laughs> it could be really, really painful. And there's subtle differences for some people. It can be in their communication. Um, they can stim, which is just like kind of,
1: again, another short circuit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, that did answer my question. Um, and actually, when you're talking, I find it interesting because certain things that you described, like cabinets or moving too quickly and not uh, follow following I don't want to say following through, but not finishing because you get focused on the next thing. I actually notice uh a lot with my son. And we've tried to, I haven't had a name for it, but we try to change the way that we communicate with him. Um, and the way that we recognize certain patterns that he has so that we can like help nurture. And I can totally see from a parent perspective how sometimes you I do get like, why can't you just close that? Like, I, I'm i having to come in after you and I'm having to do it, just remember to do it. And so I, I could see that. So, I mean, I, sorry, I don't want to give unsolicited advice, but I do know
0: personally what I would have loved from my parents Absolutely. is one, uh, if, you know, when they're teaching me a life skill, like for example, I never learned how to cook because I did it wrong one time and got screamed at so badly. And then like, just wasn't allowed in the kitchen again. So I didn't learn how to cook until the pandemic. But um, I would have loved during a teaching moment like that, having the interaction of like, is that comfortable for you? Because sometimes holding a spoon like this is just not comfortable for me. Like I can't do it, it's a weird sensory thing and I have to hold it like this, I don't know. But the freedom in order to just make it my own was really, really, really important that I didn't get. Um, And then the other thing was, if something bothered my parents so much, it would have been helpful for me to have them attach an emotion to it, be like, it makes me feel disrespected when you leave all these cabinets open, can you just make sure you do that? But like, you know, letting me make my sandwich first, but like, if they attach an emotion to it, then I remember. Otherwise, I just think they're yelling to yell, because they always yell, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. You're going to elevate my parenting after this. Thank you. I love <laughs> <Thank>. that <way. laughs> I can only speak from my own experience,
0: you know? And like, I just, I just feel like if we're just a little more patient with people, because mm. also, you know, that also takes a lot of courage because then we have to unpack why the hell we're doing things this way. You know, we trained ourselves to use this spoon like this. So, you know, why can't they do it? And then there's the resentment. It's like, well, you don't have to, you can put it on your head if you want to you use your mouth. Like you could do it literally however you want.
2: (laughs) The freedom to just explore is important for a child. And I think that's what I've been doing with my inner child healing is just making a mess because my mom is very much clean up as you go. Like we're not like if she's cooking, she's cleaning as she goes. Me, I like to do everything I'm doing and then clean up afterwards. I don't want to clean as I go. And my mom, like it doesn't matter if if she's using the ashtray to smoke a cigarette, she's wiping it out almost in between ashes, like or in between cigarettes, at least in between cigarettes. And growing up, I was never allowed to make a mess and like get paint everywhere or, you know, do the foam stuff or just do messy things. And so I don't ever feel like I had that moment to like get down and dirty as a child because, even as a child, if I got something on my clothes, it would upset me because I learned that from my mom. If she got something on her clothes, she would be upset. So if I got dirty in any way by playing, I would be upset. So it was like, I'm starting to see those patterns now where whenever I'm painting or doing something, I'm like, it's okay. Like you're an adult. No one's going to tell you, you have to clean this up. You can leave it out for a week if you want.
0: Okay, I have so much to say about this because I'm so, uh, I'm thrilled because literally you get it, like exactly this. Um, this is the work that I've been doing diligently for the past three months. And again, like I have a privileged environment to do it in so it's been really effective for me. But um, I, my mom was the same way. Like she would always buy me tights, but I was such a tomboy and I love playing dodgeball, and tights, you can't move in tights without ripping them or whatever. And so she'd get mad because, you know, they were always ripped and dirty. And I'm just like, so I'm changing who I am, you know? And then it would also give me so much panic because the thing that was inevitably going to happen was going to get me screamed at and get me in trouble. So I lived with that panic, which I know we can relate to this as well. Why I started doing drugs so early, because I needed an escape from that inevitable dread of disappointing my parents for not being who they wanted me to be. And of course, like my dad definitely has OCD and my mom, I don't, I really don't know. But um, they both have mental health issues and the same trauma from their parents. You know, like their upbringing was really similar. So it's not, I mean, they're not breaking the cycle but I definitely knew where it came from. And when I was dating my ex, my very recent ex who just moved out, um, I had lived with a boyfriend ever. I kind of did when I was dating my narcissistic heroin addict, but basically he slept over and that's a very long story. It was like not a living situation. This time we were in, like I'm sharing a space with someone, a really small space. So I'm bringing in my kitchen trauma, my generational trauma, my, any, my just living trauma and feeling really uncomfortable because he just didn't know. I, I, would, I just kept feeling trapped. And then on top of it, there was just a lot of abusive behavior going on. But when we broke up and when he finally moved out for the past three months, I have been, I think, use the word experimenting because it's exactly how it's felt. I felt like a teenager, like 15 years old, where you really just should have the room to be as messy as possible while you're supported. Like these are the teenage years, that's the time. And I'm just... My house is messy. I'm throwing clothes everywhere. Drawers are just being left open. Dishes are in the sink. And I'm just feeling out if I like it or not and what my new systems are. And now I've kind of come to this like peak where I'm like, wait, my house is now neurodivergent friendly. I put things where I need them because it's my house. I clean things when I want to because it's my house. And that has been such a huge breakthrough in feeling comfortable and feeling confident because I now have an oasis that I feel
1: comfortable in you get to create your own safe space now that's designed with your safety your mental health your everything being what's in focus and I bet you that you get to um, express your energy so differently with that Mm -hmm. and you probably feel so different inside knowing that your surroundings are so comforting Yes.
0: And isn't it amazing that I've lived by myself for however long? And this is the first time I felt that way. Like
2: your, your mind can be such a prison without
0: you even knowing it.
2: Literally, we are trapped by limiting beliefs from our childhood. And I always tell my clients that between like seven and 15, you have a breakaway some for some people it's 12 some people it was 11 like for me it was 11 some people it was seven and that breakaway is kind of like where your brain splits and you're trying to like navigate the real world but then also try to like be normal or like what normal is and kids are just very very spiritual i think we knew more about what we wanted For our life at 11 years old than we do at 21 years old, because there wasn't a lot of outside influence yet, because, you know, we are just at school and it's really not like pick a career and, and know what you need to do for the rest of your life at 16. You know, so I think we're in a broken system with the way kids are boxed in so early on.
0: Well, yeah, that's capitalism, you know. And I'm really glad because there's all, you can always count on mother earth, right? To send a natural disaster our way to shake shit up when it's getting too like fucking sci-fi culty. Because the fact that you're raising children in such a weird like environment of learning that actually doesn't do anything but harm, like no. And I think the pandemic era is now having us reevaluate that because things have just been so nutters that we have to change the way we're doing things. but i do love that when you're a child yeah you don't have all of these imprints on you you're just naturally expressive and if you're if you're taught how to communicate your feelings if you're taught how to you know express yourself in a healthy way i saw i saw a video of a uh, non traumatized autistic person and she was just so happy just living her life stimming like it just in public like just doing things because she was raised in such a healthy environment. And she just looks so genuinely happy, like doing, she's like all A's in school cause she's healthily supported.
1: And I'm like, that's the dream, it's possible. <laughs> um, you had mentioned like the, the pandemic and whatnot. And I was thinking the other day about, I just keep on going back to like the parenting topic. Cause we're talking about, you know, childhood, whatnot. But I think that so many people being inside with their family members, whether it be from their relationships or it be from their children, you have no choice but to actually communicate with the people that are there with you. And for me, I had to learn that I was shutting down myself and my kid like if i'm overwhelmed right this second because everything is stressful and i'm trying to do all of these things from inside the home and work and you're talking i'm just going to tell you to be quiet but then i have to go through and like evaluate so i was wondering if for you if you felt, you mentioned that, you know, your dad had OCD and your mom had her own things going on and that you got shut down a lot as a kid. So do you feel like now that you recognize that those are things that your parents were going through and that they had their own personal journey, does it help you with maybe finding like forgiveness for them? And then being like, so I have an understanding of that and helping you have a relationship with them, not Saying what they did is okay, but forgiving it and then finding new ways to move forward in a new relationship and communicate what you need differently from them now?
0: Um, no, and I'll tell you why. First off, I'll start with a disclaimer. I'm sure you're a wonderful mother. I hope that nothing I say is like you're taking it like, oh shit, I've done that before. I hope I'm not terrible. You're not. Here's the thing that makes you terrible. If you continuously do it without any type of, um, without any type of, Personal evaluation. If you're just doing it blindly and you never take stock and you never grow and you never apologize, people should apologize to their kids more. You're going to make mistakes. It's fucking okay. You're not going to be perfect. You have your own shit that is definitely going to carry to your kid. But as long as you are open with your child, because they can handle it, as long as you are open and you say, listen, you know what? That's something I need to work on. I'm sorry to shut you down. Did you want to tell me what you were saying before? Do you feel any certain way about that? Like, you know, opening the dialogue because that also teaches the kids that flaws are okay. You're not supposed to be this like perfect person. Unfortunately, my situation was a lot different because my parents did not have a journey. They stopped. They stopped growing when they stopped physically growing, in my opinion. And they continuously treat me this way up until this day, which is why I've completely split up. How, if they, at some point in the future, because I'm really trying to work on not being an extremist anymore, but if it, they, at some point in the future, they figure out how to apologize and take ownership and, you know, they put in some effort to finding a way forward, of course, I'd be happy to let them in my life. I mean, I love them. That's the problem. They're my parents. I'm like intrinsically attached to them. I shared a body with my mother. I they love them, but they hurt me. So that's the difference.
2: I think that's beautiful to be able to stand in your power like that, because I've noticed that the more that I kind of come out of the spiritual closet and I'm like, this is me. I talk to spirits. I do this, that my family is kind of taken back from it because a lot of them don't understand it and they don't even want to ask questions. It's almost like they're afraid of the answer because it may challenge their beliefs or challenge their preconceived Notions about how life should be. And I think that some of my family is starting to see that just every code, like abundance codes and cheat codes and all these level up codes that I've been able to download by breaking away from these chains, have really made my life like smooth sailing. Like I really relate to the Oasis environment because I also grew up in a very toxic household and being the only child. I was sometimes getting blamed for things that I wasn't doing just because I was the only one there. And I think that as an adult, having a very peaceful environment in a space creates that energy of like, acceptance and like a flow in your life where it's like you know all of this wasn't working so the things that I can control will work because I'm putting a conscious effort into making my life the way that I want it to be and I think it's beautiful for people to just say no that's enough I cannot deal with another you know argument or another disrespectful comment like I just can't do it and I I was there for a while with my family and I'm starting to come around some of them now. And I just show up in full force, like tattoos and halter tops and how, whatever I want to wear and whatever I want to do. And now they're like starting to, to accept it because they realize that I'm not asking for permission anymore. Like, I don't care if you're triggered. I'm cool.
0: That is it right there. I'm not asking for permission. And I have a feeling because you know, my relationship with my parents is very codependent. I was constantly, I feel like every time I was talking to them on the phone, now that I think about it, I was giving them a report card, an emotional report card and everything where I'm like, please love me. Can this be enough? Is this it? Without even knowing it. So I feel like if they are to come back in my life at some point, the tables will definitely turn. I don't owe you shit. No, I'm not flying out to California to have a shitty time. If you want to see me, maybe you come here. Like it's a lot less bending over backwards. I feel like it's just going to be, it's going to have to be a healthy relationship because otherwise I won't be in it.
1: Yeah, I feel like when you do that too, when you set that boundary, you are telling somebody, I require you to require more of yourself in order to spend time with me. And it forces people around to either elevate or to move their energy out of your way so that you can find what's meant for you. And I feel that that's what you do with the education and the community that you have and the way that you are building yourself um, by sharing your own energy as you really are giving people the tools to elevate their own energy as well. And being like, this is what I have going. And I want to help everybody to get on the same energy field. So let's do that.
2: Yeah. And it's, yeah. I, I was going to say, I know you mentioned you were wanting to start doing things in person and you're in New York, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So what made you move to New York?
0: I moved to New York just about 10 years ago and it was my parents. <laughs> I didn't even know at the time, actually, I mean, revisiting just like all of the pain that I had been through. And also like, you know, this is a huge topic for me now because it is something that's just very much on my plate and in full force in my face because I'm learning that there are no such thing as bad children. Because I always thought, like I was always sold the line that I was a bad seed. And you know, that does something to a person. So unpacking all of it, it's just very fresh in my mind, like what, what I went through. But yeah, just about 10 years ago, I moved to New York and I, every time somebody used to ask me that question, I would say, I don't know, I just needed to get out. And I always admired New York. So I packed my bags and I left one day. I'd never been before and set up shop in this uh, tiny room in the West Village. (laughs) And that's, I think, really where I started my journey because it's long like I still had such a childlike mentality because of how how little I learned and was taught. I was a very responsible, well, I don't know. I was a very functional person, you know, like I had jobs, money, blah, blah, blah. But as far as like mental health and just where I was in general, like that, I think was my first breakaway, like real breakaway from my parents, where I got to learn how to live. Um, and I got into tons of trouble, but I also started Witchy Wisdoms. So
2: <laughs> do you like New York, like post pandemic? How is New York treating you now? You love it. I love it. It's, it's the best i mean i live in jersey city
0: which is about five minutes from the west village it's just a train over so like if you think about brooklyn it's just on the other side of it uh and i love it i love my neighborhood i love the city i love it's also i think kind of the best place to have the pandemic, because there's so much to do
1: i love <laughs> so that you places. say just a train over i've never measured a distance being like oh it's just a train it's just five minutes on the train It is such a New York way of talking because it's, you know, our
0: subway rides and stuff. But yeah, five minutes from the train. In LA, all we talk about is that driving distance.
2: It's like, oh, yeah, it's like 45 away, 20 minutes away. That's how we measure it. But yeah. (laughs) I really love that you've lived in like these two major cities that a lot of Americans admire, like LA and New York. Like that's kind of like the hubs on each side of the like, U.S. and me being from Kentucky like I've been to both of those places but I would never want to live in either like too busy too loud too much going on I like the quiet calm kind of life I think that's like the cancer rising I like the home I like grass and trees that's like the one thing about here that when I go other places like you all don't get the like Trees. I mean, I know New York has like Central Park and I've been to New York and it is a, a- awesome place to visit. It's very artistic and inspir- inspirational, but there's just something about like a quiet, small area that kind of like I love.
0: Totally. Well, and you know, I think also it's like nature nurture, right? So uh, I was born in LA, I was born in Venice Beach. And I think this is also a thing for abundance and manifestations. Like when you are born at a certain level, it's really hard for you to dip below it. So your lack is always starting at the level that you had. Mm. And so me moving to another metropolitan area just kind of felt like, you know, yeah, why not? I lived in LA. Like it just never seemed like that big of a deal. But I also, especially in Jersey city, I love it because I live right next to Liberty State Park and it is massive. I think it was, no, that was a park in Brooklyn. Anyways, about to give misinformation. Um, But it (laughs) is beautiful, sprawling, tons of trees, tons of little like nooks to get lost in. Um, So there's a little bit of that, but I'm also like, I'm a city witch, concrete jungle, I love it.
1: I feel like even if you gave misinformation about New York or LA, I would know no different and it would be fact to me. I
0: have to be really careful with that because (laughs) I'm so convincing, you know? I literally, I say things out of my ass sometimes and people would be like, is that true? And I'm like, you're like, no idea. Why
2: did you, what? Why are you listening to me? I'm just, you know. (laughs) I see you doing like in-person work and I know that you were kind of gearing towards that and that's something that you want to do so tell us more about this vision of doing more in-person community stuff that I know you've um spoke about on Instagram and you know I know I think I replied that I was like in the area like I clicked yes and she messaged me she's like I didn't think that you were in New York and I'm like I could be, I could come (laughs) to New York, but no, I'm not in New York, but I love the in-person community stuff because I think bringing together different energies really sets the tone. Like it opens like a portal. It like really elevates. And that is like all that I want in this life is to elevate alongside beautiful people who are healing, transforming, teaching, and all of that.
0: Oh yeah. That's my favorite thing. And I also, you know, I love party planning. I love decorating. I love making an experience. So I, uh, you know, obviously I have all these books. So we do book launches and we do like experience parties and stuff, but I also got a really exciting, um, partnership with the company. I haven't really spoke to her about how much we're going to broadcast it. So I'm just not going to say the name, um, but they're a local witch shop and they're incredible. I love them so much. And, um, I'm working with them on event and PR management. So I wanna get local witches in the store to start doing their own events and doing their own workshops. So where we can really expand. And I think my my biggest um, vision in terms of what I really wanna do in the witchcraft space is to show the diversity, show that there are so many different ways to. Practice so that show that there's so many different modalities, show that there's so many different diasporas, and just and so many different people of color, different uh, like how you look, just really, really, really diverse because it is one of the I mean it's an anomaly at the witchcraft space. So that's really my vision in getting stuff in there is just like doesn't matter what do you look like, somebody like that practices witchcraft, Are you weird, someone weird pra- practices witchcraft, and just make it really comfy.
2: I like you. <laughs> I like you too. <laughs> I, like she does a lot of that, bringing communities together of people that are all walks of life. And I feel like that's like a lot of her TikTok content is really gearing towards like, doesn't matter what you look like, like you can do this too. And I think the inclusive energy is what really pushed us to start bringing on guests that were aligned with that same vision because i do not like the gatekeeper energy in the spiritual community i don't like the i'm better because i do it this way or because i inherited it or because i'm a long-standing witch and, you know, all of these things, I think it just gatekeeps and it pushes people away from finding their own truth and what works for them because they're trying to do it correctly or, you know, the way that the person um, does it online or in their book. And I know a lot of people now are speaking out against this in the spiritual community, like they're not tolerating it. And I think that is so empowering, especially, women speaking up and being stern about boundaries and like what they will and won't allow I think that is so important right now in the space of spirituality is to use it to help others but also to stand in your own power and to be sovereign in your own energy and not be influenced by the fear-based information that's out there everywhere
0: yeah I think you know fear begets fear is kind of how it goes and we also don't I feel like whenever we get like a negative comment or see something that doesn't really align with us or whatever we always assume this person is like an omnipotent being and we really take it to heart like they are they're a 16 year old kid and what did you do when you were 16 like I was 16 I told everybody they weren't punk enough Uh so it's kind of the same thing you know And when you're a more evolved, healed person, you say, well, what do I want out of the world? Well, I want people that are all going to be, you know, accepting, loving, have empathy, this, that. Okay, well, how do we create that environment? And, you know, that's, but that's just, I think one of those things that comes as you grow, right? It's an inevitable place to get to where you're like, okay, well, I feel great. I would also like the environment to match that.
2: So when did you shift into mentorship? Did you have mentors along the way that that kind of led you in that direction? Because I know you do a lot of one-on-one kind of group work and mentorship. So I want to know more about that because I don't really, um, I don't know as much about that because I haven't had that many great mentors. I've had a few really bad ones in those group containers and people that I feel like are just scammers. And then I have an amazing in-person mentor, but as far as online, I haven't had that great of luck with people who have actually helped me elevate past where I was already at. It's kind of like they convince you that they're so much further along at times. And I feel like, you know, in the spiritual community, there's a vulnerability there because we want to trust and we want to open up and we want community.
0: Oh yeah. And it can definitely be predatory because that's the thing with witchcraft and spirituality you usually come to it in a vulnerable moment. Mm. So, you know, and there's a lot of uh, sheep and wolves clothing out there, but for me specifically, I, um, so, I mean, growing up, I clearly was depressed and needed fucking help. Right. And was brought to the therapist once they said, I hated it and never went back. So I really didn't have any guidance when I was a kid. Um, and then after I broke up with my, heroin addicted narcissist ex. I have to come up with a shorter way to describe this man because it's just so yeah. long. Um, anyways, when, after I broke up with him, I was so, I knew that I hated how I felt and how I got here. And I was determined to not be that way anymore. So I took two trains into Brooklyn and found a free therapist. And she became my first really great mentor. So this is where I kind of started to learn. And what I did the way I trained myself to be a mentor, very much how I trained myself to be a witch, really grab and go. I know what I didn't like, I know what I did like. And I really, once I understood the material that I wanted to guide along through, I, I had to have a full, full grasp on it. So then when somebody came into my presence that needed my help, I was able to work with them on just a deeper level than they were able to see, right? Because you always wanna go that at least one step further than your client. If you're just giving them shadow work prompts, I mean, that's great. But also like, are we working through it? Are we showing them blind spots? Like, are you actually at a place where you can see like a little more objectively than they can? Because that's really what's gonna help. And you know, a lot of it's just learning it as you go.
2: I love that. I love that because the mentor to me is so vital to spiritual growth, because if you are not anchoring in those lessons, you're just going to get the lesson and then get caught back in it again, because that's the thing that people are like, why does this keep happening to me? It's because you're not anchoring in the wisdom and the actual truth that you've learned. You're just kind of dancing around, you know what the universe is trying to show you. And I think a mentor does highlight that where it's like, okay, I cannot see where I'm fucking up, but this mentor can tell me, you know, which direction I should be looking at and which area I need to focus on to build those blocks to get me to that level where I can do this myself. And I think those group containers, I would love to find one of those and be able to do that. Um, in person, like, like on a quarterly basis, like everybody got together, that would be like a dream come true. That's kind of what I would like to see my business elevate to is to be able to do those quarterly workshops or those retreats, where it's just intense, deep healing, transformation, plant medicine, next level.
0: Oh, Oh. I'm so bummed because right when the pandemic hit I had a retreat planned I booked a mansion in New Orleans and booked out the retreat and then the pandemic hit and I had to refund everybody's money it was such a bummer because I really wanted to host it
2: (laughs) but are you going to do that in the future again
0: I was thinking about it oh I would want to go Right, it's so fun, and the rooms were gorgeous, and I had all these different witches that were going to hold different circles, and we were going to have a margarita mixer night, like, um, like practical magic, and yeah, it was, wow. was going to be it was going to be really fun.
1: <laughs> I should do it again because I never got to go. Uh, I um, I have a friend who I met through my other podcast, but she is, I want to say she's in New York or right by New York. <clears throat> She has a salt cave that she owns and this whole, um, like witchy business. And she brings in people and does retreats and things. And I want to get you guys connected because I think you would really vibe. And when you talked about what you're wanting to do with that shop and bring people in, I can think of three people who are near New York that I would like to get you in contact with. Definitely send them
0: my way, of course.
2: All right, Sean, so let us know what's coming up next for Witchy Wisdoms and kind of where you're heading in this current moment. So let's see, Mushroom Magic
0: is my latest book that's out on Amazon. Um, Buy it, please. Uh, I'm writing it down. I love it, honestly, it's my favorite book. It was the hardest book I had to write. I read like 20 dissertations on mushroom folklore and it's honestly... Such a labor of love, love that book. Uh, But it would also really help me out on Amazon rankings and if you buy it, so please, thank you. Um, And let's see, Um, I don't know, this will air like September, October. I'm sure I'm gonna have tons of stuff going on for witchy season, Um, but my handle is at witchywisdoms everywhere. I'm most active on Instagram and TikTok, so DM me on Instagram. Um, and right now, I'm not really sure when this is going to air, but I have Astrology for Abundance, my group program that I'm hosting that is really fun. We basically go through all the houses in astrology, and I run your natal chart, and then we work together on finding out how each house is significant in how you map and live your life. When is that program launching? Um, let's see, actually, I think it's next Monday. I think it's the 15th, August 15th.
2: Okay, yeah, this will be out like first week of September. Okay. Right, everybody tap in with Sean at witchy wisdoms. We will link all of her social media, her website, join her mailing list because her mailing list is the bomb. She really does put a lot of time into those newsletters. And she always has like really fun messages or card pulls. Her nails are always really aesthetically pleasing. And she always like vamps it up for each season, I've noticed like, you'll do like a Leo season or a cancer season. Like you, you really get in tune with the the themes that are current. And I think that's what I love about your content. And it's very current and very like astrologically um, driven. And that's my kind of jam because if you can give me something tangible that I can work with for the next two or three weeks and maybe see something help like happen, that's, so inspiring. So we are just so thankful that you came on today. This feels like a dream come true because when I asked you, I was like, I don't know if she's so busy. She won't have time. Like, will she come on? So we really appreciate it. I, it was so
0: lovely chatting with you guys today. And also let that be a lesson to you and everybody listening, send the email, ask the thing you never know.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah, it was really nice getting to know you. And yeah, we always say that we shoot the shot because you're never going to make it if you don't try. So we're always like, okay, we'll send out that email, shoot the shot, let's see what happens. That's how I build my business,
0: shooting shots. You should see all the shots I missed.
2: I love it. We'll definitely have to get you and Jasmine on a call together because I feel like all four of us, like the foundation, the number four, like we definitely are going to get that in the works maybe during spooky season because I feel like, you know, Saturn's going to be in retrograde until October. So much will happen between now and then. So I definitely want to do an end of year check-in with you both and kind of see what's cooking for 2023 and what we can expect. I know Saturn's going to be moving into Pisces next year, and there's just so much unfolding. So we are so thankful for everyone who's listening at home or watching on Patreon, and we love you all. Bye. Yay.
1: That
0: was so fun.